gentlemen, listeners of all ages, we are finally back after a couple-week hiatus. It's your host, Patrick Kelly, filling in for Wright Oldham, who is again on assignment. I've got Matt Hutchinson and Ryan Cass out uh, with me. We have a, a little to cover and not much time to do it. I'm kidding. We have tons to cover. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, I'd like to start off with the Liverpool match. Uh, it was 1-1 finish. It's sad that, you know, we're, we're at this juncture hoping to get 1-1 against Liverpool, who, who are playing out, uh, out of their minds right now. Um, it was an exciting match to watch. It was a great day at the dam. Um, Ryan, wh- wh- what's your take on that game? Yeah, before we uh, jump to the game, just want to say it was great seeing you lads out there at uh, our home of soccer here in the St. Louis world. We were probably outnumbered 5-1 to one with Liverpool people. We chanted harder, and we were just all around better people. So good to see you guys. Good to be back at the dam. <laughs> um, uh, back to the chanting. Yeah. We were the only one, only one chanting. Uh, I think Man. one guy tried to get something going, but it was uh, – He, he it was said yes. Effort. He yelled yes when they scored, and that was about it. <laughs> anyway, fantastic team effort. It was actually a game in which I thought we did deserve a result. Um, our defense played fantastically well. I thought, you know, it was just a matter of time before they got something done. But when we play a team like Liverpool that allows us to counter, we do just that. We have the players to do this just that, so – um, great seeing the guys actually putting in a, a full shift, in my opinion. And you, you mentioned defense there. We, we came out with a three-back system that game. Um, I thought it more looked like a 5-3-2, um, but, you know, by formation, we had three backs in, in, in the front of the box. Matt, how do you think that translates to how we, we defend, defended and countered? It, yeah, it actually worked out perfect. I, I think we all saw the lineup, and we saw the players in there like, what is what is going on with this lineup, you know? Um, it, it was looking like Young was going to potentially be playing up top, but you're right. We ended up playing with five at the back um, we, when the wing backs were dropped back and, and really playing with three center forwards or three uh, center backs. So I think defensively it gave us some really good shape. I think we were, um, you know, we came out and we were attacking early on, and then I think we let the game settle in. And that was totally fine because I felt like we held our shape really, really well. So it gave us the flexibility that when we got the ball, we could, we could go counter. I think we did a good job of getting the ball up to the, to the wings and pushing hard. And um, I, I feel like overall, Ollie came out there with a really, really good game plan. Um, it, I think we, we were certainly dealing with quite a few injuries. Uh, we had a few guys come back. We weren't expecting to be back to play. Um, so he put a system out there that was going to allow us to defend well and, and take our chances. And, and we certainly did. I thought we played really well. And I think Ollie got everything right minus the substitutions, which I think we could probably yes. talk, yeah. we can talk about later. That was, that was really the only flaw. I don't want to get into it yet in case there's anything else we want to talk about specific with the game. But in terms of the setup and the game plan and the execution, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the overall game stats, possession 68% in favor of Liverpool. Shots on goal 4-2 to two in favor of Liverpool. We did have two more corner kicks, which we can't score in set pieces, so who cares? Uh, they had 22 crosses. We only had 10. Um, they have more fouls because they're dirty team. Um, you, you look at the stats like, man, it, it, how can you be happy with a one-one draw? But we are. Um, let's go into those subs, though. I mean, what, what what did we not like here? Well, I think the biggest problem was it was so late in the game. I think by about the seventieth minute, it felt like it was time to you know change something up. You know, it, you were looking at what Liverpool was doing to to. Uh, to James, it was obvious they were going after him physically. They, you know, he got knocked They around. beat him up. Right. They absolutely There's did. at least two cards they got away with, too, on that match. 
Virgil van Dyke with that last one. I mean, that was just absolutely sloppy. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, Matt, but there no, was you're some, poor, some poor Scouse girl when I was just trying to get my bill and go home was just all over us saying, you know, it would have been great if it was just a fair match. You know, it just should have been fair. And I said, <laughs> you, I said, he got away with probably one of your guys should have got sent off the way that they treated Daniel James. I mean, that was absolutely blatant. But, but um, the purist in me was like, hey, they did let him play football all match was fantastic. But, yeah, he did get beat up. But God bless him. That's a guy who is really getting into the badge, just wears his absolute heart on his sleeve out there for the team. And and I brought this up the other day. His headshot for the starting lineup is one of my favorite things. It, he just looks <laughs> – he looks, headlights. Yeah, it, he looks like well, just an awkward. They didn't tell him to say cheese before a school photo, and just snapped it. <laughs> I, it's it's next time you guys watch a game, watch his headshot because it's the best one out there. Um, I mean, you look at their subs; they made three before the eighty second minute. Um, we didn't bring Martial back on till the eighty fourth minute, and and then Williams came on after extra time, probably just to let him know what the atmosphere is like. Um, you know, I, I agree with Matt, you know, if, if you need to win, you need to change something up. Uh, was Martial ready to play 20? I don't know. He played, you know, 90 this weekend and, and today. Um, you know, is there, is there a reason you guys think that, you know, we waited to the 84th? Usually those subs remain in the 60 or 75th, but you know, last yeah. minute here. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind, I don't know if I said this to you guys, but I felt like it was watching a, a baseball manager, watching his starter going to the ninth and, he starts to get give up a couple hits, even though he's been pitching a you know shutout and your shutout, um, hence of the night. That I think managers can get real nervous about, you know, if I change something, is are, are things going to get dramatically worse? And I think Ollie was just gun shy to, to make the changes because, all in all, we were doing everything just fine, you know. We but it felt like it was starting to get towards point where we needed some legs. Rasher was getting a little tired, as was as was James. So it felt like to me a change would have been the right move, at least in the 75th minute, to give you some time to make an impact in the game. Um, but I think Ollie was just gun shy because you know we were we were definitely hanging in there. I don't think he wanted to uh, that be the reason why we gave up a, another goal and ended up losing a game at home <clears> against <throat> Liverpool. Yeah, yeah I think he... I think he was kind of managing for the draw. You know, kind of after that, at least that's what it looked like to me. I mean, they're giving their fullbacks and their creativity that they had out there just way too much time on the ball. And you just knew wave after wave, something's going to happen. And the, the goal that they score was just a complete misassignment. We just lost that man a hundred percent. Otherwise, I don't think they had too many chances throughout the match. And I think that's what Solskjaer was banking on as well. We're just going to throw everybody back there and just keep <clears> them <throat> settled in. They haven't really created that much throughout the game and try to get away with it. Well, I think playing with a three-back system, it, it becomes simpler, especially when you have some new backs playing together. When you play in a three-back system tight in the middle like that, that's your only job. Your job is not to get up and down the wing. You're not. Um, you're, you're almost playing a zone in that in that situation. That this is my space. I'm covering it. I don't have anything else to worry about. I think simplifying that for those guys definitely helped them out, um, and also being able to the counter with the guys you know that are coming back on defense and helping out, but also being able to attack with them too. Um, you know, and to, to the point, do you want to put Martial out there who hasn't played too much recently because of injury? Do you want to put him out there for more than 20 minutes, um, you know, and take your, your, probably your most potent goal scorer right now off the field? You know, is that a reason for subbing him late? Yeah. I mean, it, it could have been, I mean, we're, we're certainly lacking some depth right now with injuries and, and, you know, it, it is probably the reason why he didn't come out earlier in the game than he did, but, um, 
if if we were gonna go if we were gonna go into a position where we wanted to defend and just get the draw, then why aren't we making defensive substitutions um, a little bit later in the game and, and shore things up that way? I just it was just a little mind boggling to try and figure out what Ollie was doing, other than he was just afraid of of kind of messing up with the current mojo. All right. Well, that closed the book on Liverpool. Thank God. <laughs> Let's uh, move forward to Norwich City. That's a game I think we all can get behind. Yeah, it was one of those games where you know we the you know we we certainly got some goals and we ended up finally getting a win uh, that we we've needed in quite a while. And it was against a team you know we certainly felt like we should have gotten the win against. But I, you know the, the frustrating takeaway you know for me was that we missed missed uh, two penalties. You know, <clears> so <throat> it could have been two more goals and. And it seems like our our penalty uh, woes are starting to kind of creep back in. So, you know, we'll we'll take the win, but certainly some, uh, you know, some frustration there where we could have poured it on with a couple more. Yeah, you actually got to see the partnership of Rashford and Martial absolutely flourish. Those guys are becoming one. Um, This was something we were hoping we'd see most of the season. That's going to be the thing, how long we can keep those two guys healthy. And Daniel James, game in and game out, he really has not put in a bad performance in my book the entire year. Um, I know I was, you know, messaging you guys off air. This has got to be the best buy under 20 million pounds we've had in a decade. I cannot think of a better buy that we've had. I don't think any of us were expecting a guy like him uh, with the level that he was playing at to step into Manchester United, not only start, but make a huge difference. He was a difference in that game. Um, Just with, the defenders really have to watch out for him, and then you've got two other guys in there. So when those three guys are attacking, I can't think of a faster attack in England, guys. And it's how long we could keep those guys going, but uh, it doesn't matter how good those guys are up there. It's what the midfield's doing behind. And the midfield did a job during Norwich. That was the best I've seen the midfield play almost the entire year. And Matt's old buddy and old dream hoper, Fred, has been <laughs> playing unbelievable lately. I mean, like I said, I don't think he's the final solution, the end-all, be-all, but he's a ball-getter right now. Not only is he creating, but he is getting that ball back, so kudos to him. Yeah, maybe the maybe the opportunity wasn't really out in front of him the way that, you know, he could really grab onto it and make an impact in the game. You know, he was he's out there to compliment Pogba, and maybe he's just not a guy who is going to do well when he's trying to compliment somebody who's, you know, uh, where more of the play re- revolves around <clears throat> him. You know, when he came from Shakhtar, he was the guy that everything ran through. And so I think when we saw, you know, a little bit of what he did there, uh, you know, I think there was some excitement that he could replicate that here. But, uh, you know, Pogba has never really settled into an exact role. And then, you know, Fred trying to learn a new system, a new league alongside that and trying to have to take on a different type of uh, position within the team. I think maybe that's caused some of the confusion, but yeah, I mean, he's looked, he's looked really good last few games. You know, uh, the Liverpool game, I was actually fairly impressed with how he played. He put in a really good hard shift and he didn't make any mistakes. He seemed fairly comfortable out there. So, you know, I, I agree. I don't think he's, he's certainly not going to be the long-term fix, but if, if we got to rely on him, he could put shifts out like that, then, uh, you know, maybe it's just, <clears throat> maybe it's just enough to get, the ball up to our, our top three and, and get some goals out of them that way. And there is that type of player in the midfield that, that thrives on being the guy that is the creative one. When you have to pay attention to where a guy you're supposed to play off of, it, it takes your mind off the play and you can't really find your groove because it's, you know, where's Pogbat? Do I need to stay back? Do I need to go forward? You know, and all that thought. And when it just becomes him, it simplifies the game for him. Um, just like in the Liverpool game, simplifying for a back three, I, I think, 
the role that Fred's moving into is just become simplified because he doesn't have to worry about where Pogba's at. And my thoughts on the penalty kicks, that's Tim Krul. Tim Krul is a PK machine. He, he's the guy that, uh, that Holland, the Dutch, subbed in in extra time yeah. to just take penalty kicks. So they weren't the best hit kicks, but he is just a massive framed human being that can take penalty kicks. So that's a good point. I'm not too worried on that front. Should, should penalty kicks go in every time? Absolutely. Um, But the fact that Tim Krul saved two penalty kicks, I'm I'm not too worried about. Anything else on the Norwich game, gentlemen, it was an away win, which we needed. It's been quite a long time. It's been a very long time, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's since, one of those games since last season. And yeah. it was convincing. It was a convincing win. They, they were, Norwich was never in the game. And that's one of those games where, you know, earlier in the year and even at points last year where it's like, all right, this should be a win even though we're on the road. And we go out and we just put out a snooze fest and we'd end up giving <clears> the game away. We'd lose or we'd get a draw, you know. So it was good to finally, like you said, good to see us finally get out there and win one on the road. And it was convincing. I mean, yep. they put the throttle to him, except for that chance early from Norwich. Um, it, it could have been 4 nothing in the first half. Could have been a 5 nothing game to begin with. Um, and it's great seeing Martial and, and Rashford hook up. I mean, Martial's goal was something. Just Ashley Young wins it. It's a quick one-two, give-go, back heel, and a flick and a goal. Unbelievable. Um, hope to see more of that out of those two. Were you guys able to catch the Chelsea game today? I was able to catch about the last uh, 25 minutes or so. Um, I did see Rashford's goal, and then there was kind of an interruption. But I just saw back and forth. I was looking at Chelsea's lineup. Of course, they were putting a lot of their youngsters out there. Pulisic did start. Mm -hmm. Um, Who had a hat trick this weekend. Right, right. Unbelievable for him. Um, The young striker that Chelsea does have that scored that goal – that kid is just an absolute monster. He went by three of our defenders like it was nothing, held off a fourth defender, and just an incredible goal um, outside the box that beat you know Romero pretty convincingly. So that was um, that was very exciting to see. But guys, that free kick from I haven't seen something like that from Rashford in Ooh, a long time. That was a Ronaldo kick, and I Knuckle talked ball. about this uh, you know a couple pods ago that Rashford has seemed to degress under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in which I criticize Ole because he's a goal scorer. He should be teaching these guys things. Now, I'm not, this is kind of a small sample of work, but this is kind of what you need. As a striker, you've, you've got to have, um, got to have that, that creativity in your bones, that touch in your bones and that. So hopefully this is something Rashford gets. But after kicking a free kick like that, guys, Jesus a Christ, unbelievable. Well, and you want your forward to play a little fearless. I think he's too much in his head. He, he's playing a little – <clears throat> thinking about things too much and just not letting the game flow through them. But uh, Chelsea did start a younger lineup. I felt Chelsea played down a little bit in the game that I, the bits that I watched, I thought we played well, but I thought Chelsea played down, but Hey, you know what? We knocked Chelsea out of the tournament and who cares? And it's another road one. Yep. Yeah. Another I mean, road one. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's another win. It's another, it's another good result. It's, it's another, you know, opportunity for the players to continue to start building some confidences we start to head into what will be a very busy time of year. You know, Christmas is going to be around the corner. We're going to be playing games left and right. And, and uh, you know, so hopefully we start getting some guys back from injury here soon. And, and hopefully maybe we get some, uh, some reinforcements coming in January and we sort this Pogba thing out and, 
you know, I think that kind of leads us to, you know, do we, do we think top four is realistic expectation now? Do we, do we think we could possibly get back into it? You know, we were talking about, you know, as a group the other day, we're, we're actually closer. And this goes to show you actually how tight everything is the league right now, not necessarily how poor we've been, but we're actually closer sitting in eighth. We're in eighth right now, correct? Seventh. 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 We're actually, mm-hmm. we're in seventh. We're actually closer to the relegation zone than we are in the top four right now. And so it just goes to show you how tight the league is right now. And, and there's actually quite a bit of opportunity to either so, move way up or move down real quick. So right I, I now, know. sitting in seventh, we are seven points away from top four from Chelsea. We are, I'm terrible at math, five points away from relegation zone. Yeah, unbelievable. That's I mean, like, the, how crazy, crazy is that? Yeah. <clears throat> the only thing that gives me hope, <clears throat> I mean, last week, I would have said there's no way. But the thing that gives me hope is, and I'm just, you know, we could talk about this, but November is very important for us. We have Bournemouth, Brighton, and Sheffield United. Those are our league matches. Those are winnable matches, home or away. If we're on our A game, we can get those. But the thing that really gives me hope is Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea, neither of those teams really look that convincing. Now, Chelsea has had an incredible run right now. They are really on something but they really haven't played anybody. So, you know, their schedule is getting a little bit tougher in November. So they're definitely going to drop some points, but that's what gives me hope to saying, if we could put three wins together, we could be top four by December. That's how crazy it could be. Or we could be bottom three, you know, I think there's there's a shot. We could get top four. Now I'm starting to believe a little bit. I mean, look at what's happening with Tottenham right now. They're, they're an absolute disaster. They are a mess. Yeah. What is they going on with them? Uh, and they it, finally moved into their home stadium too. Yeah, and they got better. They made some transfers. So they, I know one of the guys they bought. They he still hasn't played yet. But what the hell is going on over there? I don't know. It, it's just it makes no sense. I think we're going to see some movement out of them there uh, out of them in January. I think they're going to get a little uh, panicky, and I think they're you know we've talked about. Um, we talked about Erickson, you know, he's, he's going to be completely out of contract at the end of the season. So, you know, they may be looking to, to unload him knowing that, you know, there's an opportunity to bring somebody else in in January, maybe write the ship for them. So, you know, that could be a good thing for us, but, and, mm. and, and you look at Chelsea, yeah, they're on a great run right now, but I look at that squad and I just, it's still not a very, you know, overly impressive squad. So, you know, I think there's an opportunity for them to cool off and, and then you got teams of house who right now is like, how long can they really sustain the run that they're on? So, you know, I think there's, you know, I think after what we've seen this last week, I don't want to overreact, but I think, you know, it's, it, there's a possibility that the tide could be turning and, and, you know, players are starting to settle into what Ollie's trying to, to do with the team this year. And we'll just have to see how it shakes out. I, I'm not writing off top four anymore. No. And I think the, the real tell all is going to be when we play a Bournemouth, who's a better team, that's going to sit back and say, come on, United, beat me this way. Yep. If we can start winning convincingly like that, then I'll start to believe that something of a turnaround is happening. Like I said, you know, we played Liverpool, Norwich, and Chelsea. Those are all similar teams in the way they play. They're going to come at us. We're going to be able to come at them. They're very open games. And, of course, we all know we could score on the counter. We could score on the counter against any team in the world. It's those teams that are going to build that wall behind and tell us to come and break it down. And that, that's where the issue is. And those are the teams that we're going to come up playing. And, and, and do we go to a two-forward system? The way Martial and Rashford are playing together, why wouldn't you want those two, you know, within 20 yards of each other doing gives and goes and, and heel kicks and whatever they need to do to get the ball in the net? I think Pereira, he's, he's playing a hell of a lot better, too. 
mm-hmm. um, he's he's kind of really turning into kind of a, a pseudo number ten. You know, there really isn't the the old style number tens anymore. But he's been incredible. He has not made many mistakes at all. He's getting a lot more confidence, and he's very creative. So maybe he could support those two up front. And you're getting a consistent lineup too. These guys are seeing a lot of minutes with each other. Um, the growing pains of learning how to play as a team, I think, are starting to shake off. And you're just seeing them just get how to play as a unit, 11-player unit. Yeah, I think bottom line is the pressure is relieved with Martial out there. You know, I I was a couple weeks ago was really, you know, moaning and groaning about what was going on with the team. I was like, well, wait a minute. Let's have a reality check. We're missing arguments. Wait, there. what? You? Uh... <laughs> negative. So negative. <laughs> negative about everything. No. Well. You know, and I said, well, wait a minute. I also admit thought. It's like we're missing, we're missing arguably our, our best, if not our second best, you know, offensive player right now. You know, how, how can we really expect a whole lot when we're missing, you know, a guy who makes such a big impact? And so, you know, if, if he gets out there and Rasher feels like a little bit of the pressure's off him and and then, you know, they some of the attention gets taken away from James and, and James can build some more confidence again, this whole thing could get turned around. And, and the Pereira, all he really has to do is go out there and play a solid game. He doesn't have to be a world beater. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself, and I think that's what causes a lot of mistakes and and the really boneheaded plays that we sometimes see out of him. And if he can just go out there and play a decent game and, and you know, not make mistakes and, and get the ball back up to those guys, he can play a decent role. So we'll, you know, see how it shakes out from there. I kind of almost – go ahead. I would, just real quick, I'd almost like to see that same mindset out of Jesse Lingard. He's back. Mm-hmm. He's healthy. I'd love just to see him just a simple game like Pierre plays right now. Don't try and do too much. Just do what you do best. He's a ball getter. He can get at defenders. He can get around players, and he can be a creative player. So I'd love to see him at least at half best. Yeah, he's a player that just – he's become a mystery lately. He had so much potential. He's doing all the right things, and he's just fallen off. I, I was reading an article about one of his side businesses losing a, a chunk of change. Oh, um, yeah, $200,000 in the first year. Wow. Yeah, which, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure Roy Keane has said this. You're a football player first. Yeah, um, it's easy to get distracted by the glitz and glam and side projects, but this is where you're making your money right now. I understand trying to find those side businesses for after you retire, but you know, focus. This is your job. Um, I wonder if that's creeping into it. I mean, we we forget these guys are people too. We don't know what else is going on, but I I definitely like to see Lingard step up. Um, you know, soon, uh, just for his sake, for his career to stay at Old Trafford. My next question to both you gentlemen, we, you know, we've talked about these three past games that we're pretty satisfied with them. You know, we've got two away wins and a Liverpool draw, which I guess um, in all those games that we've watched, you know, there's one name missing. And do you think he'd help? Do you think Paul Pogba would have helped in any of those games? You know, I'd like to think in the Liverpool game, he would have, you know, I, I, the one thing about the about Paul Pogba is he can go out and have an absolutely awful game, but he can have these one or two moments where he just creates an opportunity. He makes the perfect pass. Um, he gets off an incredible shot and we end up getting a goal. And so I've always felt like when he's healthy and when he's ready to go, you put him out there. And that was my criticism of Jose there towards the end is you've got this guy who can, you know, create this moment out of nothing why are you leaving him on the bench? So, you know, in a tight game with, with uh, a tight game against uh, Liverpool, I don't think he would have been worse than any of the other guys out there. I certainly don't think he would have been worse than Fred or McTominay. 
So I, I think there would have been a chance that we could have ended up winning that game two to one had Pogba been out there. I don't think we would have missed Paul Pogba right now with as much as we are in the next month playing these teams that we just can't seem to break down. That's when you need that guy that makes something out of nothing that can make those passes to his, his three wide receivers <clears throat> and Rashford, Martial, and James. See, to in, get in behind my, defenders. My argument to that is if a team's playing safety defense, it doesn't matter how high or how far you throw the ball, they're back there. Oh, no, they are, but we've also seen a couple times where he has been able to do that or just get a guy that, you know, when he's even in and around the box who can create something, who can lay off some type of pass. Because you have to do something. We don't have uh, Marwan Fellaini anymore. We don't have oh, Ramalulu Kaku anymore. We sold goals is what we did. You know, we had, of course, we haven't bashed the blade or the Glazers yet. So there's, you know, we, the we sold dirt. We sold dirty goals. Well, we, we sold, did. We did. But those are the type of goals you need against a Bournemouth late at night when it's raining out there. That's the mm-hmm. thing. When those teams are back there with that wall, we really don't have anybody to go to. But then again, that's why you kind of miss Paul Pogba too. If we ever are going to score a corner, you'd think uh, having Paul Pogba and Maguire's uh, hide out there, at least you got two targets to get the ball to go at. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, a little bit of breaking news today from the MLS front. Did you guys see that? In regards to St. Louis? Yeah. Oh. The, stadium, well, that the was, new stadium. Sorry, that was yesterday. That's why I got confused. That's where the <laughs> was it yesterday? Was. I yeah, saw it, was, it this morning. It was late last night. It came oh. out last night. Yeah. I'm sorry. I went to bed like a good, good, good student. <laughs> <laughs> no, exciting news. Um, you know, there, there's been rumors over the last few months that they were going to uh the location was going to change and we're all trying to kind of sort that out so now it sounds like it's going to be on the north side of market but um you know still right there in that corridor that they're gonna uh they originally talked about building in and and now there's going to be a couple practice fields and and some additional uh amenities as a part of the development so the the big news out of that part of it is they're expanding uh, the development, so it's going to be a bigger uh, construction project than what we were initially seeing. The ownership group is going to own the stadium and everything else around it. They're not going to you know sell to the city and lease back. So I think that's great for the city. It takes a burden off of them and it shows intent from the ownership that they're committed to it. And then uh, what was the, I feel like there was a third thing. Oh, so then we also found a little bit more about. You know they're going to have the retail space and the and the restaurants and things that are going to be open year round. So it's not just going to be something that you can go to during the MLS season or when there's special events, but it's going to be a place where you can go and and be a part of that location year round. Which I think that's the one of the biggest wins out of the whole thing. You know, there's the downtown has a reputation of just being a place you go to for Cardinal games and then you leave. And I think the Taylors and have, Blues games and Blues games. But I think the Taylors have enough foresight there now to, to realize, like, okay, our, the goal is to get people downtown all the time and to make downtown a place to be. And now you got the, the Ferris wheel, which has been really popular so far. You've got the aquarium coming at the end of the winter. Now you're going to have this MLS complex, which will be open year-round. You'll have Ballpark Village, which is going to expand. It's a year-round location. So <clears throat> the city's doing a great job of finally starting to build a, a reason for people to get downtown all the time, not just when there's a sports event. So pretty exciting news all around. I think it's awesome. Ryan, we know you're so excited for MLS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just hope they just play it on grass. I'll be excited to see that, you know, just uh, the beautiful game actually played on grass. But, no, I mean, you, 
like I said, once these, the kits come out, the colors, a name for our team, something like that, Golly knows when that's going to come. When they start laying the first brick and starts taking shape, it'll really start hitting home then. Right now, you're just looking at uh, computer graphics, and you're, you're starting pictures. to get excited. Right, right. But when you actually see the uh, the brick and mortar go down, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to get exciting. I'll start watching a little bit more. But, uh, you know, different things take up my time, like minor league soccer and English Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I, had, I was lucky. I was asked to speak at the, the Belleville Chamber of Commerce Lunch and Learn today just about oh, this. Yeah. Just, just lucky enough that this came out today. And we're talking about, you know, I, I said the biggest thing that surprised me was the, the, they're going to have host a practice facility downtown. And I'm like, the way this group has worked so far, you don't think that there's going to be every every YMCA, every youth group, every whatever that they're going to bring down to play soccer right next to the stadium. Um, you know, they're looking to develop more soccer players and expand the game, um, you know, for the good of the community. Everything this ownership group has done, um, soccer or otherwise, has been for the city of St. Louis. I mean, you walk down Market Street, you look at the Arch, you look at the Soldiers Memorial, look at City Museum go all the way down to Forest Park and look at the Muni. Um, between the Cavanaugh's and Taylor's, uh, it, it's unbelievable how much they've given to the city. I'm just really, really hoping that the city gives back to them. Well, and I think one of the exciting things you mentioned about the, about the, the, the fields downtown is w- when we look at youth development, you know, the, the pay to play is, is probably one of the biggest things holding uh, U.S. soccer back from really being able to to move forward. What I will say, the rest of the world. What I will say to pay to play is, if you're good enough, they'll find someone to pay. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that aside, you know, all the premier uh, fields and practice facilities and everything are out, you know, in West County and in St. Charles, and mm-hmm. and so now you're going to have what very well could turn out to be the premier, you know, uh, practice facility you know, in downtown St. Louis now. So that maybe that opens up some opportunities for some kids and some youth that Absolutely. aren't able to, to get out West and, and play out in Chesterfield and in Fenton and then, you know, by Maryland Heights and all those places. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I can't, I can't it opens think, doors. They give a city field that is, is public for pickup. That is turf. I mean, slew highs down there. They do they, their, you know, men's eight V eights, um, things like that. But there's no, you know, pickup league soccer. They just, they find fields, they rent them out for, you know, whatever small fee it might be. Blues just won, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it'd be cool to see kind of that development of, you know, having turf fields where they can play in whatever weather year round and pickup leagues, um, you know, for, for South St. Louis, for anyone that wants to play, it'd be huge for just the city of St. Louis in general to have that. You, you see the connections that St. Louis pickup soccer has made. Um, you know, you, you've got CEOs from companies, you got people that just moved to St. Louis in the United States playing in that league. So a lot of good things to come from the, the MLS developments here. And uh, I hope they keep that torch running. Anything else from you guys? No, that's it. That's it's, good. You know, it's, that's it. it. It's good. To, it's good to see United on a little run and, and hopefully we can keep it going. And we got an easy month ahead. So no reason to, to don't not think we can't start picking up some ground in November for sure. Ryan, last words from you. A lot of positivity coming from the past three matches. Um, I'm expecting nothing but wins for this entire month, including our Europas. Let's see if uh, Solskjaer can do it. I think this. Uh, everybody's looking at him for this month. Huge month. Big month for United. That's Huge all month. we got here. That's all we got here. Filling in, I'm Patrick Kelly. Filling in for Rhett Oldham, uh, who's out on assignment. Matt Hutchison, thank you. Ryan Cassow, thank you. 
and I'm going to try not to screw it up this time. Those are the tones of Manchester's own Stone Roses. Thank you again, Matt and Ryan. We'll catch you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. <laughs>